Worried about letting someone else pick out the perfect avocado for your perfect impress them on the third date guacamole? Well, good thing Instacart shoppers are as picky as you are. They find ripe avocados like it's their guac on the line. They are milk expiration date detectives. They bag eggs like the 12 precious pieces of cargo they are. So let Instacart shoppers overthink your groceries so that you can overthink what you'll wear on that third date. Download the Instacart app to get free delivery on your first three orders while supplies last. Minimum $10 per order. Additional terms apply. Hiring for your small business? If you're not looking for professionals on LinkedIn, you're looking in the wrong place. That's like looking for your car keys in a fish tank. LinkedIn helps you hire professionals you can't find anywhere else. Even those who aren't actively searching for a new job but might be open to the perfect role. In a given month, over 70% of LinkedIn users don't even visit other leading job sites. So start looking in the right place. With LinkedIn, you can hire professionals like a professional. Post your free job on linkedin.com slash recommend today. Last year is last year. We've had lots of road wins over the years. So I think we'll have plenty of them this year. We've got, we've got a veteran team. We've got you know guys who embrace this stuff and... Uh, so I'm not I'm not surprised, I'm, and I'm also not thinking about last year. That's behind us. Now back to Warriors this week on 95.7 The Game. Hour number two, Steve Kerr there, John Dickinson, Evan Giddings here as we're going to be with you in our debut edition of Warriors this week for 2023-24. With you until noon here on 95.7 The Game and up on YouTube as well. Uh, join us uh, on YouTube uh, as we have that up and running uh, here on 95.7 The Game. So uh, you can check us out that way. Evan, uh, great job. I know you've been working tirelessly with Craig to try and get that rolling <laughs> here uh, for for the first hour of the show. And so we're up and running for the final two. Good oh, stuff. Oh, yeah. No, a little behind-the-scenes work. Uh, Craig, one of the hardest-working men in the business as well. So, you know, hey, we're glad we got the, the audio as well as the visual medium for people out there. Um, but, and I'm glad, I'm glad that Craig came back with that, with that Kerr cut that you were referencing earlier, JD, because <laughs> as much as shots I, fired at Jordan pool. Yeah, exactly. As much as I do believe that this year is not last year and that he's not focused on last year, uh, I'm a hundred percent with you in the first hour, which was, that was a big win to get on the road. And it was a completely fair question. And for him to dismiss it almost makes me feel like they're just trying to, 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 to completely, you know, eviscerate any thought of the 2022-23 season because on the road it was it was perplexing. It was it was a conundrum. They just they couldn't seem to figure it out. And so Kerr's just saying, "Hey, look, I don't know what happened last year on the road. I don't care about it anymore. This is a brand new clean slate, and I'm just all steaming ahead." Eight 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 nine five seven nine five seven zero triple eight nine five seven nine five seven zero. It's John Dickinson, Evan Giddings here on ninety five seven. The game as uh, Warriors this week uh, with you on a Saturday. A nine two five on the Comcast Business text line. Uh, I, I found this interesting. It's Dublin Marge checking in. Uh, I wanted Clay off the bench during the closing minutes. Uh, he's not good in the closing minutes. Rather see Moody or GP two. I, I I wouldn't take I wouldn't take Steve Kerr's statement that every single game is going to be determined by who's playing the best on on that given night as far as who's going to finish. Now he did do it with with Kaminga and Wiggins, and I thought it was a bigger statement about Wiggins yeah. in the way he was playing on in in game one. But Clay was. More than good enough last night. If if the Warriors can get that clay last night consistently, they're going to win a lot of games, even with him only scoring 18 points. The, the, the clay that's going to kill him is the clay that they got in game one. I'm 100% with you. And I think because of Andrew Wiggins' performance or, or lack of performance, however you want to describe it, in game one, clay was maybe let off the hook a little bit. But, but last night in Sacramento, he was the least of my concerns. There appeared to be, even early on, also from Wiggins too, a difference in mindset. From Wiggins, it was being more aggressive. And for Clay Thompson, it was being less aggressive or letting the game come to him a little bit more. And I know that was a product of Curry having the hot hand 
And I also think Chris Paul initiating the offense had a little bit to do. He was trying to force the ball to Wiggins early. I think scored first uh, six of the first eight points. You could tell there was a different tone from him, at least early on in the basketball game. But for Clay Thompson, if, if that's the Clay you're going to get, I think that's the Clay at this stage in his career that every Warriors fan should want. There is a potential for him, of course, to to burst out and hit 10 threes in a game, and he's, he's going to have a few of those. Who knows? It could come against Houston like he had a big game against last year. It could be on Sunday. Uh, but for Klay Thompson, in games in which the Warriors are going to be pitted against potential playoff opponents and tough environments, to me, he cannot play out of character for him, which is too aggressive, you see a ball go in, the next two shots cannot go up immediately once it hits your hands. That kind of Clay Thompson, to me, is the one that can shoot you out of a basketball game, as opposed to the one we saw last night, who ve- who felt to me, J.D., like the game was coming to him rather than him trying to impose himself on the game. I, I would sign up for that Clay Thompson every every night. And and because you're going to win a lot of games against a lot of bad teams with a steady Clay Thompson like that. Now, you may need a little more to beat some of the great teams in the league, but to me, you jump off that bridge when you get to it. I agree with you. He's still going to have the the games where he goes off and hits eight, ten threes. Like, that's that's going to be there. The, the bigger concern for me is the bad games. The bad games have to not be as bad as they were last year or as bad as they were shooting. I actually thought Clay played a pretty good game other than the shooting against the Suns, but the shooting is ultimately what what did him in. All right, 888-957-9570. No cap in Oakland. Let's get to the phones here on a Saturday morning. What's going on, no cap? Can you hear me? Yeah, loud and clear. All right, cool, cool. Uh, I love the show. Um, I just want to say um, this is something that uh, nobody has really uh, talked about at all since it came out. Uh, Joe Laker was on the TK podcast around about two months ago, and he said that he wants to be under the second apron next season. And so that's telling me that, he, of course, he's going to let Chris Paul walk. Um, how do you guys feel about that, and do you think it's a good idea? Personally, I don't. Um, pretty much he said that's why he traded Poole to get under the second apron because he said that he, he's not able to bail out the team if he's over the second apron. What are you guys your guys, you guys' thoughts about that? Thanks, guys. I mean, look, there. I, I think Joe Lake has been shown that he'll adjust a tentative plan if he thinks that spending more money can help the team contend for a championship. So while I think that's a, a guideline – to me, it was more a guideline for you know the ability it, just to have flexibility to help this team in the short term to try and make one more run at a title and then see where you're at. And if you feel like the rest of it isn't at a point where you can continue to contend, then you have that option to get under the second apron if you want to use it. You don't necessarily have to use it if you think that you still have enough to be able to to, to win a title. So to me, that's more of a conversation for April, May, June, July, down the line. It does relate to Clay Thompson, though, as well. And and the latest you know, reports this week, another report about the Warriors and Clay Thompson, Evan, not, not being close on a deal. I was at shoot-around yesterday. Clay was asked about it in, in Sacramento. He, he, on the one hand, said, doesn't want to get into it, doesn't, you know, prefers not to even think about it. No, no formal tabling of talks necessarily but then he goes on to say hey I'm I'm gonna savor this year as if it could be the last and and the question implied could be the last he didn't say that specifically about it being the last but everybody knows the rat on the table here as far as the fact that that the farther this thing goes it could be Clay Thompson's last year in a in a Warriors uniform so I think those long-winded way of of saying I think the determination about luxury tax and aprons and levels and all of that is going to be determined solely on how good this team is this season. Yeah, I think that's well said, J.D., because at this point, more than any other in the Warriors dynasty, it's a year-to-year league. It's a year-to-year team. And I think Joe Lacob, along with now Mike Dunleavy Jr., understand that. And Chris Paul, to me, which factors into your, your overarching 
you know, kind of point about the significance of last night's win, but also a significant, it, it, it's going to be significant for the Warriors to get off to a good start, which is because I, I do think this is Chris Paul's likely only year in Golden State, that his, his contract is non-guaranteed after this year for, you know, no cap in Oakland uh, to his question about trying to get under the second apron. I think that is a priority for Joe Lacob and the Warriors. Chris Paul factors into that. So does Clay Thompson. But if this season goes well, I do think that a guy like Clay could be rewarded with a contract. It's one of the reasons why I felt like they were not going to get a, get a deal done before the season because I, I didn't believe Clay was in a position of a great leverage coming off that postseason series. I just think he believes that he's a better player than that and would be able to maximize his value by playing through another year. Potentially, you know, if he leads the league in three again, uh, three point makes, and does what he wants to do, I think he can earn himself a sizable amount of money moving forward. That said, for Chris Paul, I just feel like the Warriors are in a kind of a financial pickle, and I don't want to get too deep into it, but to where this season they're trying to maximize it as much as possible, and then next season they'll try and maximize that season as much as they can, however they can. So to me, Chris Paul is, and why I've been so impressed with him off the bat is, they do need to get off to a good start. I do think they need to create some cushion and capture and kind of stack some wins for when inevitably a guy here and there gets hurt or has to miss games and they will taper off a little bit. So if Chris Paul is not a concern for me with how he's playing early in the season, I don't even need to think about what's happening in April or next offseason because I think the Warriors are solely focused on now. And I think that's also the tone that we heard from Steve Kerr in that last cut, not just about what's happening last season or what happened last season, but Steve Kerr's also in a contract year as well. He does not need to focus on what's happening after this season at this point. It's all about the here and the now, and I think both Clay and Chris Paul would be um, aligned in that message, and, and I think it will benefit both of them. Yeah, I, I mean, the Warriors may find themselves in a position where they need Chris Paul or they need or, or they they need somebody that provides what he provides next year at a, at a different rate if they're going to want to, to contend. But I, I think you said it. They're year-to-year year right now. At, at any point, the Warriors could decide, as much as they've doubled down and tripled down on the big three, at any point they could decide that they're not good enough anymore to contend for titles and pivot. Mm-hmm. And, and and make a big move to try to go about it a different way. But by continuing to re-sign the players that they've re-signed and to go out and get Chris Paul, it gives them an option to be able to continue to make moves, right? If if you if you just start not signing guys completely, well then then you lose the right to do anything. And and that's where I do think Chris Paul's contract comes into play, not necessarily that they're just going to get off the money, but in the fact that they can do what Phoenix did and trade him somewhere to a team that can take on the salary and use that as a means to facilitate other players coming back that maybe could be fit. Like you could maybe you're like you could trade Chris Paul as a $30 million player next season mm-hmm. and take back a $20 million player and maybe a $10 million player that's going to get shipped elsewhere or as part of another deal. Like, there are a bunch of different things you can do. So to to turn Chris Paul into somebody else, a less expensive player, manage your finances, still have another player on the roster, and then figure out how does you go. It, it I just don't view this thing as cut and dry. It's Chris Paul now. It's $30 million off the books for nothing next year. Maybe it turns into that, but to me the only way it turns into that is if the Warriors deem themselves incapable of being able to contend for championships next year. Mm -hmm. And if they do that, then we're going to be talking about bigger things than just Chris Paul not being around. Yeah, and and I think you you, you kind of echo the sentiment we've heard from both Joe Lacob, Mike Dunleavy, and even Steve Kerr, which is that the theme of optionality. <laughs> and that's not just a, a financial term, I think, that that the front office has been using. But I also think on the floor, J.D., we are starting to see a little more of the optionality within the flow of play that Chris Paul brings to the team and how many different options Steve Kerr is going to have throughout the game with his rotations. 
And we're all still waiting to see how Draymond factors into this because he is certainly going to be a factor. But right now, you could look at it either way. Either you have options down the stretch of games. I know we've heard people calling you know, for, for more Moody. Kaminga got to finish the game in game one because Wiggins wasn't playing very well. You know, it, it, when Draymond comes back, how small are they going to be? What defensively are they going to look like? Are they going to be able to take care of the ball better than they did last night in the fourth quarter against Sacramento? There are many more options, both financially for the Warriors, but also on the floor for Steve Kerr. And so I'm very curious to see how that is going to change in the first 10 to 15 games if we're going to see Steve Kerr find that rotation far quicker than he did last year when he was willing to give minutes um, you know, sparingly to, to some of the younger guys, or the fact that the Moody's and Kamingas and GP2s have looked solid, and the bench unit overall has much looked much stronger at the beginning of this season than last, to where we're actually not going to see Steve Kerr have to flex that sort of optionality late in basketball games. Yeah, I mean, I, I, I think you look at it, and you know the guys that are going to play. I, I think you know Steph and Clay are going to play, Wiggins, Draymond, Looney, Chris Paul. You know those six are going to play. I think the Warriors now know that Peyton and Moody and Kaminga and Saric are all going to play. Well, right there, that's that's 10 right there that that are going to play. It's just the combination of how, how much are they going to play. And then, and then I think as you go 11 and 12, you've got Trace Jackson Davis, who I think we've seen may not play at all, as was the case on Tuesday night, may get a five-minute run. You know, either either in the first or the the second half. You know, Steve Kerr does break his center spot up frequently into almost four blocks a half. Right? There's like a six minute block at the you know first quarter, six minute block, bottom of the first quarter. I'm, I almost think of it sometimes as innings. Right? Who's the top of the first, bottom of the first? Who's mm-hmm. the top of the second, bottom of the second? Who's the top of the third, bottom of the third? Uh, and and so he used Trace Jackson Davis for you know, basically to break up what had been Saric's time in, in the first half. And so he gave he gave Jackson Davis the bottom of the third, basically, and still gave Saric the top of the fourth. So it it I think that's how he's going to be used. Pajemski, I think, is an injury away from from needing to be pressed into action, and I think the Warriors feel better about the fact that he may need to be pressed into action. If he needs to be pressed into action, that they can get something out of him than they than they maybe did uh, you know, in the summer league. So I think that's a nice problem to have. So I, I think you know the 10 that are going to play, plus the two young players. It's just a matter of what are the combinations that can get you through the night. And I do think, Evan, it's tricky, and I think last night shows that it's tricky because combinations that worked – against Phoenix didn't work against the Kings and may not work against Houston. And I think the Warriors are going to find themselves in these matchup-specific nights where it's the, the Kings didn't make the Warriors look old last night, even though I thought they had the potential to do it. But the Rockets might, even though the Rockets mm-hmm. stink. And so, like, you're going to find, like, for all we know, the Rockets are going to be the team that makes Chris Paul look old. It for for as not good as they are, and so you're going to have to adjust on that night. Like maybe Chris Paul can actually withstand the Phoenixes and the Kings and the Clippers and the Lakers and all that. But the games where he struggles are going to be the games against some of the more young, erratic, you know, athletic type teams. And then you're going to have to all right, how do you offset that? And so I think the balancing act for Steve Kerr, while he likes the team and thinks he has a lot of pieces. It's gonna be it's gonna be tricky, and he's gonna have to push the right buttons. I think night in, night out, and that's without dealing with the injuries that eventually are gonna come. And, and I think that's why the stability of the second unit, and granted, it's only been two games, but so far has looked like there's more of a floor as opposed to the inconsistency we saw from the bench throughout the majority of last season, and really just a, kind of a rotating door. You know, the the Anthony Lambs, the Ty Jerome's that were getting a lot of minutes were basically necessary whether you agree or disagree with with the usage because Steve Kerr was not getting what he wanted from from other players now it looks like the fact that you can plug and play a guy like Moses Moody and he's so far in the month of October including preseason shooting nearly 60% from three point range you know that there's a little more stability 
from the guys that are having to come in and replace the starters. If anything, the inconsistency has been more from the starting five through the first two games than anything else. I think the second unit has done a pretty good job of keeping games either at the same place or in the case of last night against Sacramento in that third quarter, improving your position. So, And, and I think that the two young guys that you mentioned, the two rookies, also factor into that too. A guy like Brandon Pachensky, you know, more of an on-ball, at least I thought he was marketed as maybe a two, but he appears to be more of a, a point guard that can control the rock and take care of it. Trace Jackson Davis is someone who's not going to necessarily hurt you, uh, or at least hasn't shown himself to hurt you throughout the, the few minutes that he's sparingly going to get. And so I think Steve Kerr has more dependable options to pull from throughout the not only the 10 that you mentioned, but of course the two on the back end. And I think that is valuable for a team that might not be as quick to get up and down as they were in years past, is going to be a little bit older, is going to look for more of those half-court sets, and is going to need things defensively to be in a solid place against teams that can run it up like Sacramento or, of course, even on Sunday like Houston. The the Rockets are not a very good team, but if you let them into a basketball game, they can get hot. they're, They're basically too stupid to know that they should be losing that game, and I think that's a concern. That was last season. That, to me, hopefully is not going to carry over as much into this year because Kerr feels more comfortable with the guys that he has to call upon. And I think Kaminga and Moody specifically are guys that were fluctuating last season in their roles. This season appear to have a little more of of a concrete understanding of what both they need to do as well as what the team needs to do when they're on the floor. 888-957-9570, Warriors this week. John Dickinson, Evan Giddings here on 95.7 The Game. We're with you until noon and with you each and every Saturday morning here on 95.7 The Game from 9 a.m. until noon. Uh, a couple of text messages just quickly here before we pause. Uh, 347, what's the deal with the turnovers in the fourth quarters? It's a bit concerning. Can you touch on this? We did touch on a little bit in the first hour. I thought last night, and, and I had the number looking at the first two games collectively, the Warriors have 14 turnovers in the fourth quarters of the first two games. They have 15 turnovers in the other six quarters combined. So they're not turning it over at all quarters one through three. In fact, that pace of those first three quarters, if it carried through the fourth quarter, and it really did in the first game, uh, in terms of the overall number, but you know that pace is excellent. Like if you're going to turn it over, you know at that level, that's excellent. But the fourth quarters have have changed the game. I thought last night it was two different. To me, it was two different things. I thought they were more careless against the Suns. I thought last night they just didn't handle the trap well. I, I think the the Kings started aggressively trapping the Warriors trying to get back into the game by forcing some turnovers, and I thought Steph Curry and Chris Paul didn't handle it well. I mean, at one point, Chris Paul had 18 assists and one turnover, and then I think he ended up with three turnovers after that, and I want to say they were all in the fourth quarter last night. So um, he didn't handle the trap well on a couple of possessions. Steph didn't handle it well on a couple of possessions. And I think – I don't want to say they were surprised by it, but, I I mean, there there were – too many times where they were, I mean, dribbling to a point where they could be attacked by the uh, sideline. Like, I mean, the sideline is an extra defender. I mean, you're basically getting triple teamed when you've got the double team and then this plus the sideline. So there were a couple of times where they just, I mean, killed themselves on the trap. So that to me was the, the bigger concern last night. Yeah, and I think that had more to do with, like you're talking about, kind of the the opponent. And I think Sacramento, that's a team that is going to, when they're down in fourth quarters, try and get up in your grill. And I think also going to Duarte as opposed to Herter, um, Duarte is a much better defender than him, and I think he was able to to kind of make both Curry as well as Chris Paul uncomfortable. Like there was a, there was a double team and a, and a trap set up near half court down the stretch of that fourth quarter, in which Chris Paul. Just, he kind of had a deer in a headlight look, and that's not something you're accustomed to seeing. He, he was just overwhelmed. Like Paul. Yeah, he just he he, was he like, couldn't get the he, ball He like out. gave the ball up. He's like, yeah, I, I got to give it to you. <laughs> and then there was one where he took a timeout, which which was smart. Yeah. Uh, but yeah, man, I mean, that was that it was uncharacteristic for sure. Yeah, and, and I think that was a, a more specific game 
type of deal, but but it is certainly something to note and, and something I'm sure teams will will try to employ if they need to against this Warriors team because I'm sure everyone, especially younger teams, Sacramento, Houston's one of them that's coming up on the ledger. Like those are teams that are probably looking at the Warriors and saying, "We're going to test your stamina, your athleticism, and your ability to take care of the basketball." Those are all things that the Warriors are going to have to overcome throughout this season, and and something that might even carry into the postseason should they be able to get there with good position. So, yes, it's I don't think it's it's necessarily a, a concern because also they were in that position, um, and on, what, against Phoenix, they only turned over the ball 11 times, I think five times through the first three quarters, and kind of at a similar clip through the first three quarters against Sacramento before the eight in the fourth. Like, those are, yes, that, that that's a time where you need to get and, and lock up the basketball, but also, I'm not going to overlook the fact that they've done an excellent job of taking care of the Rock through the first 36 minutes of the basketball game. And that's not always something we saw last year. All right, he's Evan Giddings. I'm John Dickinson. We're halfway through here on a Saturday. 888-957-9570. More phone calls and text messages. Are you more optimistic about the positive things you've seen through two games or concerned with some of the negative things you've seen through two games with the Warriors at 1-1? One one? Warriors this week rolling on here, 95-7 the game. Call from mom. Answer it. Call silenced. Instacart knows nothing gets between you and the game. That's why they make ordering from your couch easy. Stock up today and get all your groceries for the week delivered in as fast as 30 minutes without missing a minute of the game. You have 47 new voicemails. Download the app to get free delivery on your first three orders while supplies last. Minimum $10 per order. Additional terms apply. This episode is brought to you by Progressive Insurance. Whether you love true crime or comedy, celebrity interviews or news, you call the shots on what's in your podcast queue. And guess what? Now you can call them on your auto insurance too with the Name Your Price tool from Progressive. It works just the way it sounds. You tell Progressive how much you want to pay for car insurance and they'll show you coverage options that fit your budget. Get your quote today at Progressive.com to join the over 28 million drivers who trust Progressive. Progressive Casualty Insurance Company and Affiliates. Price and coverage match limited by state law. Okay, picture this. It's Friday afternoon when a thought hits you. I can waste another weekend doing the same old whatever, or I can conquer it. I can hop into my all-new Hyundai Santa Fe and hit the road. Any road. The steeper, the better because my all-new Santa Fe is available with H-Track all-wheel drive so I can hit the trail without a worry in the world. Heck, with three rows and best-in-class rear cargo space, I can pack the whole family in with all our gear. We've got available dual wireless charging for our phones so we'll never lose touch with civilization and we won't lose touch with the primordial power of Mother Earth. So which is it? Waste the weekend or do something a little more epic? And conquer it in the all-new Hyundai Santa Fe. Visit HyundaiUSA.com or call 562-314-4603 for more details. Hyundai, there's joy in every journey. Definitely. I mean, it feels like they've arrived. I mean, for a lot of my career, they're in a rebuilding phase, but now they have an identity and they're we respect them and they're a very good team. They have a ton of talented players. So uh, a team you can't sleep on, obviously. And I mean, definitely a divisional rival just up the, the Northern California proximity and being in the same division. Now back to Warriors this week on 95.7 The Game. Clay Thompson post game last night talking about the budding Warriors-Kings rivalry. John Dickinson and Evan Giddings back with you here on 95.7 The Game. 888-957-9570, the phone number to give us a call or shoot us a text. We've got a couple of calls to get to, Evan, coming up here in just a second. Yes, sir. I, I thought it was interesting, uh, Steve Kerr last night in his pregame session, just on the rivalry a, a little bit, he was asked about the rivalry and, and just what he's seen. Is it a rivalry? And I thought it was it was funny, you know. Coach Kerr said that it was, you know, he, I wasn't expecting him to go as far as he did, but he but he also didn't, you know, he didn't totally go, you know, full bore in terms of the the rivalry. But but he said that it's more for him uh, exciting, like there's an excitement in the air 
as opposed to a bitterness or an anger with some of the rivalries. There's like a, a mutual respect, I think, component to it. And there's just so many connections between the two franchises right now. Maybe if they play in another playoff series or two, it gets a little bit bitter. Uh, but but right now it feels more like just a, a positive energy when these two teams play. Yeah, I do think there is something to... Like, for example, if the Kings had beaten the Warriors in seven games last year in the postseason, I do think there would be room for more of a rivalry. But because there's one team with the four championships who appears to be the big brother and the team that's trying to get where the big brother is, and there is that respect to the point where, what, what 48 hours ago... Uh, Darren Fox announces that he's going to be wearing Curry shoes, and he's you know he's got a, he's under Curry's brand. Um, that doesn't generally play into a, a heated, animated type of rivalry. I think that most of the Kings, uh, outside of Harrison Barnes, probably feel pretty good about the relationships with the Warriors, and it's a lot of respect. To me, there's not enough bad blood to consider it a rivalry between the teams, but I do absolutely feel like the fans believe it to be a rivalry for them. And I think it is pretty palpable, the type of energy in and around Golden 1 when the Warriors come into town, not just last year in the playoffs, uh, but even last night, J.D., that is a place where I can see it being a little bit hostile and the Warriors walking into a building they know is going to bring the energy more so than when the Kings come to Chase Center. There was a great moment last night, uh, mid-game, and I, I want to say it was I want to say it was third quarter, uh, second or third quarter. But uh, Draymond Green, uh, the the Warriors, I think, had made a basket, and the Kings were bringing the ball up the court. So this is during play, you know, just kind of a ho hum moment in the game. And and whoever was running the the game ops at at Golden One Center just flashed to Draymond Green, just put Draymond Green on the Warriors bench on the scoreboard uh, and everybody in the place kind of out of nowhere is like what what and I just happened to be looking up at the board when when it happened and I don't think everybody in the building saw it but then all of a sudden as the kings are bringing the ball up the court there's just this rash of startling boos and and it's like what is going on and Draymond it, it, he just looks right at the right at the camera and just gives the, just a big old Draymond <laughs> smile and gives the peace sign like yeah what's up uh. and, and then and then quick cutaway uh, to to you know back to to live action uh, it just it it reminded me in a good way of of last year and game two and the ejection and him you know you know getting up and shouting at the at the fans there and, and, and everything. It was just, yeah, it, it, it has been good. It has been intense. I, I think the NBA does need more. Uh, they need more teams that, I, I I don't know, I think the teams like each other, but they need more of that that intensity, which borders on rivalry. Uh, I think it's good for, for the game, and I think you know, Warriors-Kings, as much as they're going to play it out here in the first month of the season because they're going to play three times, uh, you know, of their four meetings, I, I do think it's 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 good for ball to have to have these two you know, playing the types of games that they're playing. Yeah, well, I'm with you, and I think it also extracts the best out of both sides. I mean, it, it, sure, you're going to see some some uh, t- some tension. You're going to see some you know blood boiling between the two teams, but hopefully, you're also going to see a performance like you saw from Stephen Curry. Not that he needs. That, that sort of rivalry atmosphere to, to bring the best out of him. But I do think, and you said this in our, fir- in our first hour, J.D., I do think he relishes those kind of moments to be able to quiet a crowd on the road, to kind of dig into their chest and just pull their heart out right in front of them, lay it there on the hardwood, and say, this is my, this is my building. And, and so far in the last two games that Stephen Curry's played in the Golden 1, it has been his building. It is where he's looked comfortable. He has shot it at an outrageous rate. And so I, I think that those are the kind of performances that do add to a, a budding rivalry, so to speak. I, I think there's still not enough bad blood for me to label it one in the traditional sense. But by the end of the season, there might be, and there could, who knows, there could be a moment, you know, next uh, Wednesday at, at Chase Center in which the Kings come into the Warriors building and grab a W from them. Like all of that kind of builds up to what Steve Kerr is talking about, which is maybe a a game here, a playoff series there, and another one that just continues to add to what I, I, I I think the NBA doesn't really have a lot of, which is 
teams that have disdain for each other and individuals that have those kind of one-on-one rivalries that they take into a game and and, and make it an individual you know sort of one-on-one bat within the, the the team scope I don't think there's as much of that around the NBA all right let's get back to the phones 888-957-9570 Mark and Milbray is next here on 95.7 the game hey Mark yeah what's up guys yeah to me once uh Draymond gets back. We know that rivalry, burdening rivalry with the Kings intensifies because you know him and Sabonis do not like each other at all. And then that's that's a major bad blood, especially from Sabonis's end. So I think that's going to ratchet up once he gets there. But as far as this matchup, it's it's incredible. I really, to me, that Curry versus Fox head-to-head battle is as good as any in the league. And, and Curry just showing the young bucks why he's still the GOAT, when you can go into that hostile building like they have and continually dominate them like he does, is incredible. But overall, guys, we know this team is veteran Latin savvy, but I, I hope Kerr really plays the young guys in rotation because we know they're one injury away with the, with the vets and wear and tear of these guys of having to rely on them. So, to me, I think that guy's got to be Cominga. He's got to show that he's going to be part of this future core and he's going to be relied upon this year to show it. And it's funny when you think about it because he's only, what, 21? But I think he's due for, what, a contract extension? So it's going to be fascinating to see if he's going to take the Bulls by the horn this year and be that guy. As far as the the rotation, you guys think coming off uh, is going to be GP2, Moody, and Sarwich are the guys that Kerr is going to rely on going forward? Uh, what do you thought in terms of them going forward, uh, set rotation, and, and in terms of how they're going to approach – going on the road after that debacle last year, having the most bizarre season, dominate at home and off on the road. I'll take your thoughts on all that. Thanks for the time, guys. Yeah, appreciate it. I I think when Draymond comes back, he's probably going to come off the bench initially, but Chris Paul is going to come off the bench eventually. And I I think with some of the reporting over the last week, I think that's, you know, that, that, CP would be okay with it and that it's trending in that way. I think that's what Shams had a few days ago. Uh, I think ultimately that's going to be the plan when Draymond is back and, and the Warriors are whole. I mean, we laid it out a little bit in the last segment. I mean, I, I, I think I think Moody's playing, GP's playing. We know Kaminga's playing. We know Saric is playing. Uh, and, and so I think that, you know, that that's going to be the group. Um with Chris Paul as as the fifth bench player and then the five starters. So I think those 10 are basically playing every single night in some form or fashion, and then it's a matter of Pajemski and Trace Jackson Davis and, and maybe Corey Joseph, who, who you know, I thought when they signed him, maybe he would have the potential to, to play a little bit. He just he doesn't look quite right. At, mm-hmm. at this point, and and he wasn't good against Phoenix, and Kerr went away from him last night in that matchup. I think probably probably rightfully so, uh, but I mean, I think I think those are the those are the guys. Yeah, and and I think that look, Kaminga and Moody have to play like they're playing themselves into being consistent rotation and, and, players. And twenty and twenty five for Kaminga in terms of minutes. Just to, uh, apologies for cutting you off there, but like that that's about right. Like to get twenty five minutes for Kaminga last night. You know that's that's solid. Moody's had basically twenty in both games. Like that's that's what it looks like when you're in the rotation as a young player. Yeah, no, no doubt. And I think to have three guys off the bench. I know Peyton didn't quite get to twenty, but you know a rotation of eight or nine guys at this point, and then you factor in Draymond Green. There's your nine or ten on a nightly basis, and so I think Kaminga and Moody need to play to the point of the collar. But where Steve Kerr has, I think, a little more in his bag that he can go to this season compared to last is now with Moody and Kaminga having taken the first two seasons to kind of ramp up. And however you feel about how Steve Kerr used them in the rookie or sophomore season at this point doesn't matter as much because they now appear to be prepared for what the minutes are, are there for them and, and what they've been given thus far. And they've taken full advantage of them, specifically Moody, at any point that he's come in so far. Now also getting a guy like Dario Saric, who, yes, last season coming off the ACL did not play as many minutes per game, but at at one point in his career, he's been a 25-minute-per-game player. Gary Payton can give you 15 to 20 minutes consistently every single night. So the caller's asking about what's going to happen when or if a Curry misses a game, 
a, a Paul misses a game, Draymond is missing games. I I don't think there's going to be as much sort of looking around trying to find players that can play out of character because I think Kerr with the progression of Kaminga along with Moody as well as a few of the players, mainly Dario Saric, as well as Chris Paul, who they've brought in, who have already at one point in their career played significant minutes, I think there is a potential to where Steve Kerr is not going to be as concerned about some of those games where big boys are missing time because he has a reliable cast of characters that he can go to that he's seen either earlier in their career or early on this season that can step in and fill those minutes and do them well. Yeah, I'm still worried about Steph or Clay being out, and you know, or even Wiggins for that for that matter, in terms of how does this team function and, and get enough offense? Because I I think at times they look like they might not have enough offense, even with those guys uh, on, on given nights. So I'm 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 not gonna dismiss it like it's gonna be really bad, but I am concerned. And you know, Steph is probably gonna miss twenty plus games. Uh, you know. It, it, Looks great two games in, but I, I, you know that's just been the norm really for these last couple of years. Uh, I thought it was interesting. Clay Thompson said his goal is to play seventy plus games yesterday at, at, at shoot around. I know he started playing back to backs last year, which is something that he wanted to do. How do the Warriors handle back to backs? I think is going to be interesting, and we'll get our first taste of that with the game in Houston tomorrow, and then Monday in New Orleans, the second of, of the back to back. Uh, when the Warriors go there before coming home. All right, 888-957-9570. Let's go to Scott in Berkeley next year on 95.7 The Game. Hey, Scott. Gentlemen, long time those here from. Uh, yeah, good to be back with you. Scott A. Yeah, well, it's nice to be back in the country. Uh, <laughs> the, I mean, I guess what I would think about over the, over the last tonight's assist. The first thing is, would the trap have worked – against the Warriors the way that it did last night if Draymond had played. My suspicion is probably no, because he he probably would have seen it coming at him and then passed up and then passed over it. So, you know, I mean they basically the Kings ran the trap both at Steph and at Chris and it and it and it hemmed them up. In a way that's fine. The fact that they got the road win out of the way is good. What worries me is that they have now won three straight road games at Golden One, and I'm beginning. And you know, in the back of your mind, you're kind of asking yourself, "So is this the only place they can win on the road?" The last thing I guess I'm going to throw out there is about Chris, and it isn't so much that I analogize him to the guy that he was traded for. I kind of look at him and I think of him more like Sean Livingston. And I know this is going to sound weird to people for a second because you're thinking of Sean's height versus Chris's height. But when, when Sean decided to shoot the ball, his shot was always going to be the jumper, the jumper in the lane or the turnaround, I guess, off the left post. We know with Chris that eventually his pet shot is always going to be the snake dribble into the, pull, into the, into the fade. Um, and it's kind of like it's it's almost like he becomes the post option in a weird way. I think it's going to be fine because there are going to be there are going to be the nights where all of a sudden Chris goes hot, and you know I mean Steve will probably ride it out, and I, it, it'll be interesting to see how that plays out when it happens, and you know especially if Draymond's in the lineup and suddenly realizes oh Chris is in the is in the groove, so. That's all I'm thinking, and you know, if you guys want to go go with that offline, I'm happy with it. Good talking to yeah, you. I'll pre- talk to you soon. Appreciate it, Scott. I, I spot on with Draymond. I'm still concerned. I, I think if the trap with Draymond, he's always the guy you kick it to, and and then Draymond, it's you know, it's like having an extra point guard out there. So Steph sees it, hits Draymond, and then Draymond's in control on the back half when you have a four on three. So he decides whether to whether to push it to somebody to score, keep it moving, attack, get it back to Steph. Or, or in this case, CP. Like so, all of that is is definitely different. I think if you have Draymond on the floor, uh, w- without a doubt. Uh, as far as I'm still worried, Evan. I'm still worried about <laughs> uh, about. And, and I don't even disagree with the premise on. You know, there is a little bit of Livingston, I think, in, in Chris Paul. No, no doubt. I, I get that comparison, but uh, in in terms of the steadiness and and all of that. 
I still don't know where the Warriors are going to get offense if they lose one of their, uh, you know, one or a couple of their primary scores. Yeah, I mean, look, if Steph goes down for an extended period of time, the Warriors are in trouble. I mean, I, look, if if they didn't have him last night, they 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 lose that game. Um, but to his point about Chris Paul, I, I certainly see the comparison, kind of the the steadiness that a Sean Livingston brought. But but to me, Jay, I, I don't know how you feel about this, but the last real playmaking bench guard that I can remember who was kind of close to Paul, he was a little more volatile, but I would I'd go back to Jared Jack. Like that, that was a guy that I felt like could come and bring the ball up, could play off of Steph. It was really early in his career, granted, um, but but that's who I, I kind of feel like he adds a little more punch with, uh, specifically offensively, not as much on the defensive end. But, you know, I, I think for the Warriors, like honestly, you know, late in games, e- even with Draymond on the floor, uh, I, I, I'm also still going to be kind of concerned because Draymond is not necessarily not a turnover-prone player. He can fall susceptible to getting loose with the rock and has had his share of fourth-quarter moments in which he's either you know given up a possession or um, not allowed the Warriors to, to maximize one. I, I, I think turnovers are going to be anytime you're anytime the Golden State Warriors are in their kind of free flow. Um, trying to ramp up their passes, they're going to turn the ball over. But the question is, can in those tight moments, in which I do think Chris, even if Chris Paul comes off the bench, if they have their full full set of guys, I do think he needs to be in the game down the stretch in fourth quarters because of those kind of moments. If you have a CP3 with a Draymond, with a Curry, I do feel good that those three guys together can limit the amount of turnovers and can do a decent enough job defensively to allow for the fact that they might not be getting up and down as quickly as possible. Um, but but I, I look, I, I hear I hear Scott. I, I think I think Chris Paul brings a, a calmness that probably has not been there from the bench and specifically at the guard position since a guy like Sean Livingston. Eight 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 nine five seven nine five seven zero. It's John Dickinson and Evan Giddings here on ninety five seven. The game. A little bit of breaking news, uh, NFL wise. Of course, this is Warriors this week, but we do want to keep everybody in the Bay updated on what's going on with the Forty ers oh, Talk to me. What who have, have just ha- have just announced that Brock Purdy has cleared the concussion protocol. Uh, so Purdy will start tomorrow. Uh, no injury designation. Obviously, he had per- he had started to run through the protocol to be able to practice in a limited fashion on Thursday. He was a full participant at a lighter practice on Friday, had to be checked out again by the doctors today to be formally cleared to be able to play. And the 49ers just released a statement that Purdy has cleared that concussion exam uh, through the NFL concussion protocol this morning. And so he has no injury designation. Kyle Shanahan said yesterday, if he gets cleared, he starts. So Brock Purdy is starting tomorrow at Levi Stadium with the 49ers taking on the Bengals. Yeah, and look, I mean, I think that Kyle Shanahan hinted at it earlier this week that he was, I don't want to gonna say press it, because any time that you're cleared from a concussion, you're eligible to play. And, and I think with how he handled the McCaffrey situation last week on Monday night against the Vikings, coming off a, you know, a, an oblique potential small tear, um, a rib injury, and Christian McCaffrey played bulk of the snaps. I, I think Kyle Shanahan is a guy that if someone is given the okay, he is going to play. And so I'm very interested to see how Brock Purdy bounces back, of course, from uh, the concussion that he sustained later in that game, uh, but also two relatively non-Brock Purdy performances, not taking care of the ball as much, and Cincinnati's a good opponent. So I, I'm happy that he's going to be on the field, and I'm interested to see how he bounces back. All right, well, one more here before we go to break, and the show flying by this morning here on, on 95.7 The Game. Austin in San Jose is uh, up here to close out hour number two. What's going on, Austin? Hey, fellas, J.D., hey, man, how you doing? It's been a while. Always good to hear your voice in basketball time, my guy. Listen, a um, couple things. First of all, Purdy, real quick on Purdy, man. I think Kyle's making a mistake. Uh, man, if I'm the old, good thing Bounty Gate's gone because – I can guarantee that the guy's going to take a shot right away. But listen, um, on the Warriors, uh, last night, J.D., a couple concerning things, man. Uh, the double teaming the staff, um, that's something that Mike Brown obviously knows a lot about the dubs. And, hey, man, that almost works. That's something the Warriors are going to have to figure out. And I, I didn't see a lot of reaction. 
turnovers are a problem. Uh, so that's something they're going to have to deal with. Uh, I am still concerned about Clay. I know Clay came through last night and had a couple big shots, but I started seeing it in preseason, and I'm still – I got to see Clay – got to see more Clay. I think that we got to see him do that more than just every four every fourth night. So uh, without Clay being Clay, the Warriors are going to struggle this year. That, that's kind of where I'm at with – but, hey, man, it's optimistic. Moody is surprising me. Uh, J.K., I was always behind. You know that, J.D. I was always a Kaminga fan, so – that's not surprising. But the Moody thing is a real, real big um, surprise. So it's kind of early, but, oh, last thing, Chris Paul. Chris Paul. Chris Paul is trying to change the culture, believe it or not. He's helping to change the culture of the Warriors over time from being turnover machines to more discipline. So that's something to watch over the course of the year, guys. Thanks a lot. Yeah, thanks, Austin. I mean, I think it comes down to margin for error. If the Warriors are going to maximize what they have this year – they're going to have to be more buttoned up, make fewer mistakes, and just maximize what they have on a night-in-night-out basis. And I do think for this season, and everything's one year at a time right now, Chris Paul does give them an opportunity to do that. Yeah, and I think Chris Paul has made not only the effort before, but also in preseason and now during the regular season to, as you know, Austin's talking about, try and impact that culture. I don't know how much... He'll be able to change it in one season or maybe if he's here for longer than that. But he certainly has not been an issue that everyone assumed he might be. Like all of the concerns about the the fit and kind of the, the culture shift, uh, however you want to put it, has not been an issue for Chris Paul. And so I've been very, uh, very impressed by that. And he's also been able to take it on the court to the point where, you know, he's he's calming things down in a game like Phoenix. He's saying, stop, like, this possession cannot go this way. So I, I, I love what I've seen thus far. All right, he's Evan Giddings. I'm John Dickinson. Two hours down. we got one hour to come. 888-957-9570. A couple of phone lines open. The Comcast Business text line as well. We're live on YouTube. It's Warriors this week. We're off and running here for the 23-24 season on 95.7 The Game. Okay, picture this. It's Friday afternoon when a thought hits you. I can waste another weekend doing the same old whatever, or I can conquer it. I can hop into my all-new Hyundai Santa Fe and hit the road. Any road. The steeper, the better. Because my all-new Santa Fe is available with H-Track all-wheel drive, so I can hit the trail without a worry in the world. Heck, with three rows and best-in-class rear cargo space, I can pack the whole family in with all our gear. We've got available dual wireless charging for our phones so we'll never lose touch with civilization and we won't lose touch with the primordial power of Mother Earth. So which is it? Waste the weekend or do something a little more epic? And conquer it in the all-new Hyundai Santa Fe. Visit HyundaiUSA.com or call 562-314-4603 for more details. Hyundai, there's joy in every journey. This episode is brought to you by Progressive Insurance. Whether you love true crime or comedy, celebrity interviews or news, you call the shots on what's in your podcast queue. And guess what? Now you can call them on your auto insurance too with the Name Your Price tool from Progressive. It works just the way it sounds. You tell Progressive how much you want to pay for car insurance and they'll show you coverage options that fit your budget. Get your quote today at Progressive.com to join the over 28 million drivers who trust Progressive. Progressive Casualty Insurance Company and Affiliates – Price and coverage match limited by state law. Hey everyone, Boomer Esiason here. The NFL Draft is behind us and your favorite team is now gearing up for week number one. The free Odyssey app puts you right in the middle of the pro football conversation with the biggest sports radio stations from across the country. The local voices who know your team the best, giving you their unfiltered takes on the current state of your squad. It's always football season right here on the free Odyssey app. <laughs> 